Hello and welcome to the Jordan High 2004 podcast. This is Steve. And this is Gonzo. How you doing, Gonzo? Good. I, like, wanted to somehow, like, introduce, like, karaoke onto, like, our our podcast. Like... I mean, it's got a mic. <laughs> we, some, like, maybe instead of our regular intro, we should just have a song, like, Don't stop listening. <laughs> Hold on to that iPhone. <laughs> Give us five stars. <laughs> Love it. Okay. I, I'm thinking like, we'll get something going. I like it. We can have a good intro song. Yeah. We can make it just sound like ACDC or something. It should just, I, when we start, I can just start going like, bum, bum, bum. I get up to listen to this pod on Monday morning. I'm a fan. Okay, send me some samples. I'm just any song that comes to my head. I'm just gonna like. Try to introduce podcast or Jordan into it, and that'll be our new intro. We could just sing like "I Believe in a Thing Called Love." <laughs> I believe in a class called JHS two thousand four. Yeah, why not? Uh, That's so funny. Well, we're together, and it's it's Thursday night. It's not Sunday. Yeah, um, tomorrow we're leaving on vacation. We're gonna be off, so then Sunday wouldn't have been able. We wouldn't have been able to record. So I asked, uh, I asked you if we could do a Thursday instead. Uh, worked out perfect. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'll think about that tomorrow when I'm at work. I'm just like really <laughs> so tired. tired. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where are you going on vacation? We're taking the kids to Disney. So we're going to go to California. We're going to spend a week there. It should be a lot of fun. We haven't really gone anywhere in years. So I'm really looking forward to it. Are the girls excited? Yeah, they know. So like, are you gonna surprise no, them? no, no, no. They, they've known for a while. Yeah, they <laughs> they have just been counting the days, the minutes. So they're pumped. That's awesome. I'm excited for you. Maybe should we just jump right into this? Yeah, let's do. It. Let's do it. Okay. Who are we talking to today? So we have a special guest today. Tell Zach Hewlett. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Hewlett. That sounds familiar. Yeah, he's he. Loves the podcast so much, he wants to do it again. <laughs> he does. And I loved it. He sent us an email. He's like, okay, guys, I'm ready for episode two. And he's just like ready to go and had some stuff he wanted to talk to us about. And I, it, our first conversation was awesome. Yeah. And I'm confused because it's like, what are we like? Usually with every episode, I'm like, I know kind of the questions that we're going to, the progression that we're going to do. So I'm like a little nervous, like, oh, are we going to be able to like, how are we going to manage this? Yeah, we've talked about like, is this like a, a digging deep with Steven Gonzo episode? Is this JHS? Like, I think we've kind of settled. Maybe it's maybe it's season two, or like part two. I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think it's part two. Uh, digging deep with a Jordan High 2004 podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just put it all together. Yeah. No, I loved our first conversation. I think that this is going to be awesome. So it's a uh, yeah. Here's our conversation with Zach. Thanks for having me back. I'm amazed you let me back so so soon. I, mean, I can't believe it's been a year already, though. It's insane. Yeah, it's it's been a year since we started. So, 
It's like we're happy to have you too. We would have known a year later. <laughs> thriving. Yeah, we'd still be doing it. We're more listeners now than last time. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you guys are just rocking and rolling, and the conversations continue to get better and better. That's that is something that Steve and I have like talked about. It's like I think, I mean, I don't want to toot our horns, but I do think like we become better listeners or just better conversationists. Like, yeah. in general, I think. I I find that even when I'm talking to people at work, I'm like, ask questions or I have better conversations. So, I, well, what were you like when you were a kid? <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, say, Why do you think you're awesome. so bad at your job? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's so funny. But you you reached out to us and you were like, I'm ready. I'm ready for part two, guys. I want to come on and. And I was excited yeah. when you reached out to do that. And I, honestly, I don't have, because I feel like we asked our questions. So yeah. I don't have like very many questions apart from like, what do you got? What do you want to say? What do you want to talk about? It's almost like, I want to say this is almost an episode of digging deep with Steven Gonzo. And I want to like, Zach, what do you want to dig deep about? Oh man, I have so many com- topics I could dig deep on, but really more than anything, I think the the cool part, I actually pulled up the podcast roster before we got on here and I was reflecting on all of the the people that you've talked to. And for me, because I was at the forefront of everything, I, I felt like um, the way that our conversation went early on was just very, very simple. I, di- I didn't get too deep, but the conversations that have gotten deeper and have had really, really impactful um, meaning to me. I just wanted to give some shout outs to the people that shared some of their stories. And also, I've had a few memories that have popped up in regards to some of those people that I wanted to share. And then beyond that, you know, not that I have my own skeletons in the closet that I want to dig, you know, get out and dig deep, but I really want to just acknowledge the people that truly we're going through the deepest of deep uh, I, I didn't know issues, yeah yeah I, you know what i mean I, I didn't know sway very well but man his his episode hit home hard for me and i i can still remember where i was I was actually driving on a road trip from south dakota coming home when i listened to that podcast and it just it hit me like a ton of bricks that beyond just the more surface things that you know people are going through the things that you know, our age group tended to keep to themselves, made it so that these, their, their lives were so severely impacted. And, um, so I just want to give them a shout out and share my love for those people. And, and then beyond that, we can just kind of see where the conversation goes. All right. That sounds good. No, I love that you say that because you, you bring that up and you're listening to these episodes and Gonzo, he produces all of them and then we listen to them. Like every time it comes out, I'm like, oh, nice. Here it comes. I get to listen. And obviously I'm here with this conversation. Yeah. But after listening to a few of them, I, I immediately think of like Josue. I think of BJ. Like some of these I listen to and I'm like, that's just really deep. Like there's like that was a really heavy episode. And sometimes in the moment you're having a conversation, you're listening and it doesn't really hit until afterward of like, man good for those guys for how they've 
navigated life after going through a bunch of that stuff and and so many other people right like going through abusive marriages or going through you know deep depression um and so i I love that you bring that up because i think sometimes we can just listen to it oh that was really good and other times if you stop to think like man that person was going through that at that time yeah and you know i just want to give them a big huge hug oh my gosh i was ready to jump through the podcast listening to bj's and beat the hell out of the church leader that did what he did to him. Because, you know, that's one thing as parents that no one ever wants to hear that their child went through that. Mm-hmm. And I feel so bad. I feel so bad that BJ had to deal with that on his own for such a long time. And I got to know BJ better after high school. He was actually um, in a singles ward with myself and Paul Curtis and a couple other people from high school after um, I had gotten home from my mission. And as I got to know BJ, he was just the most genuine of persons. Um, I just really enjoyed connecting with him in a different way than I did in high school. And it caused me to love him that much more. And I had one of the, you know, those moments just after the mission, thinking back and going, I wish I could have spent more time with him and gotten to know him on a better level in high school. But for whatever reason, we all got caught up in our, you know, minutia that just seemed to be the most important thing at the, the moment. And, uh, so that just one thing, but man, um, huge shout out to BJ. I love you. And you're, you're one of my best, best guys and, uh, hope you're doing well. That was a really amazing episode, and I'm I appreciate him being vulnerable and sharing something that was such a dark piece of his past, and truly huge props to him for making it through that. And um, obviously, now he has the opportunity to change the potential problems that could come up for someone else that may face those same demons. I agree 100. I think that that was. Uh, we had we had talked with him a whole bunch before his episode, and I think that was one of the big things he wanted to do was just like raise awareness. Like, I want a platform to tell my story. If it can help one person, then hundred percent worth it. Like, he's an open book. I mean, yeah. I think it's really easy to feel embarrassed or feel whatever you may feel about that kind of stuff. And he, I mean, he didn't care. He shed it all, and he was he was willing. And if any of you reach out to him, he's such a good guy, just such a good yeah. human. Um, yes, he is. So I, I don't know if you have any, have any of you are ever bored, just, uh, just reach out to BJ and he'll, he'll talk to you for a really long time. <laughs> and at the same time, I still think that there's been value from, from other conversations. Like, um, you know, K- Katie Lofgren is a person that I always respected. Uh, I've known her since elementary school and, you know, we grew up in the same stake and she had connections to me, but we never really spent a lot of time together. Her little sister and my younger sister were really close friends because they're a couple years younger than us. The cool thing is, is that Katie's husband, Will, that she married, he was he moved into my ward, and he was one of the the, the rascally young <laughs> young boys that were uh, always trying to get my attention as you know a teenager, but. Uh, I love Will and his family, and because I'm friends with him on Facebook, I've gotten to see more of the behind the scenes of their marriage, their relationship, raising a kid. And so I just wanted to say 
Keep doing what you're doing, Katie. You're doing great. Yeah. And then the next one, like, um, Lee Denning. Lee, honestly, was always up for anything. And I didn't spend nearly enough time with him, but we did get to play, if I remember correctly, he played on the sophomore football team. And, uh, man, that guy just was always, always working harder and harder than everybody else. And, you know, for whatever reason, he just didn't get a fair shot, unfortunately. But uh, I, I think a lot of Lee, and I really enjoyed his episode and hearing about where he's at. That was really cool to hear where his life is. I mean, completely different story than we've had from everybody else, right? Where he's still doing his thing as a single guy and trying to figure it out. <laughs> I loved his, uh, his conversation about going on first dates and doing that over and over again. I mean, thinking about that as my wife and I are almost to 12 years of marriage and I don't know how I would do that ever again. I'm, <laughs> so, I'm sure that after he was on the podcast, his DMs blew up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I sure hope so. He's like, eligible single bachelor. Wait, probably like the first date. He's like, Hey, uh, just listen to this. <laughs> This podcast episode, you'll know everything you need to know. Let me know if you want to go further. Yeah, I'm sure he puts a link on his uh, Tinder or something. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's a good Love dude. It. And I had a really funny story that popped into my mind listening to Merritt last week or whenever his podcast popped up. But... Um, for, for many uh, that are listening, I'm sure those of us that went to Eastmont remember um, Senior Hewlett, who happened to be my dad's older brother. And um, I had the fortune, or you could call it misfortune, of being in his class in eighth grade. And honestly, it was a real struggle for me because, my goodness, uh, he the teacher had a direct line to my dad that would beat my beat my rear end (laughs) but uh in that class in specific um merit merit was in our class and i think uh i think bobby hits was in the class too but merit reed and marcus taylor were like i don't know how they met but they were like the comedy duo when they were in the same room together and man they just had so many little moments in that class that um, had us cracking up and I'm trying not to laugh. And the funny part too, is that I know my uncle has a sense of humor, but he's trying to keep a straight face because he's the authority figure in that class. And the story that popped into my mind was one of the first few days that we had our, uh, our class. Um, did you guys take Spanish? I did. I, and I had it from, um, from, your uncle as well. Senior Hewlett. <laughs> yeah. So if, if you remember from that class, one of the things that he did in order to try and flavor up, I guess you could say, the class was he would eat. The pesos? Gave everyone. Not only pesos. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I forgot about those. <laughs> but he also assigned everyone a... A Spanish-sounding name. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And my name was horrible. My name was Zarco and I could not, I could not stand horrible. But the funny story is they passed out the the names to everybody 
and Merritt got the name Mario. And when that name was placed in front of him, out of nowhere, he went, Hey, it's me, Mario! (laughs) (laughs) And the entire class was rolling. And Senior Hewlett is trying to keep a smile off of his face because it was absolutely hysterical. And obviously he had to discipline him, but my gosh, that was one of my most memorable moments with Merritt. And then obviously we saw how he progressed throughout high school and he was always just up for something fun. Um, you know, his tutu dance with Kenny at the Mr. Jordan competition, which you guys shared. Um, please share that again. The next person I wanted to shout out is, is my man, Bobby Hits. Bob was one of my first friends that I made outside of, um, Park Lane Elementary. So I, I don't know how, but my mom and Bobby's mom, Carla, met through common acquaintances when they discovered that both myself and, and Bobby were the same age. They like, had to set us up on like a meet and greet date kind of a thing. And so I, I remember going over to his house and getting to know him and meeting his mom and his dad. You know, Bobby was just my guy. I mean, we used to hang out way too often. We were at his house shooting hoops in the front, front yard for hours upon hours, um, playing video games in his room. And I can attest he is a huge Miami Dolphins fan. He had, more sports memorabilia in his room than I had ever imagined. Um, but I love Bobby. One of my favorite memories of Bobby too, was he invited me to one of his birthday parties. I think when we were maybe eight or nine years old and I don't know who in his house had a connection, but, uh, the entertainment at the birthday party was the jazz bear. Oh, dang! (laughs) the jazz bear pulls up in his, uh, in his, his van, parks that thing in the front yard and then climbs on the roof and is doing backflips off the thing. And I mean, I, I, I felt like I was invited to a rock star's birthday party when I was at Bobby hits birthday that, uh, whatever year that <laughs> maybe Bobby can send in a voice memo to, uh, remind us which birthday party that was and <laughs> who else was on the guest list. So that nobody else, uh, feels like they were left out. It was, it was a small affair. But, uh, yeah, I love Bobby. He's, he was always a person I looked up to greatly. And, um, throughout the time that I knew him, uh, he was a very fun loving person, always up for a challenge, incredibly, incredibly competitive, um, sometimes to a fault, but that's just who Bobby is. And he's, he's always been that type of person. And then, um, he was so incredibly close to Aaron Perry that when Aaron had passed away, there was something that changed in him where he was constantly reflecting on, on life. And I just want Bobby to know I love him. He's, he's one of my favorite people. Oftentimes he would come over to my house and, oh my gosh, I just had a memory that popped into my head that <laughs> we're going to laugh about. Um, we were watching a movie. I don't know why we were watching this movie. It was, I think my little sister was there. We were watching the spirit stallion of the Cimarron <laughs> when we were probably in 10th grade. And the moment where the stallion is running towards the cliff edge <laughs> and, and the horse jumps and Bobby's on the edge of the couch and he kind of like physically jumped 
off the couch <laughs> with the horse. And I, I think it was me and Andy Simeona and somebody else were like, dude, Bob, what are you doing? He was like, uh, uh, he was having an out-of-body experience. <laughs> but it was the funniest thing ever to see him kind of, he was totally into the movie. Um, bless his heart. He's just a good guy. So, uh, Bobby, I love you, brother. Listening to Elena Malai's conversation, too, she just warms my heart. I wish I would have hung out with her more in high school. Um, I love Elena, and I'm glad to hear that she's doing well. And I saw she started uh, cooking school, culinary school, recently. So, best of luck to her. And I can attest, Allie Hart had one of the, if not the most memorable laughs when it came to just her losing all semblance of control when it came to something that tickled her funny bone. Um, it was good to hear from Allie. Dan Hansen was another one. I had no idea that Dan was dealing with the level of stress that he did, but he carried it very well. Uh, I always loved going and seeing him outside of school times and going to uh, Jamba Juice, but I have joined the ranks that will never go to that Jamba Juice. Again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's four of us. <laughs> I love you, Dan. I really appreciated and enjoyed the conversation with James Johnson, too, that you guys had. I don't know that a lot of people got to know James as well as I did. And honestly, I took my relationship with James for granted. So first and foremost, I want to tell James I'm sorry I was a jerk when I was in high school. For whatever reason, my ego got in the way, and I thought that I was too cool for James. But he was just always, always so, so kind to me. And um, I remember people used to give him grief for his uh, his dancing skills. His, I think it was Irish dancing. Yeah. And I absolutely was uh, enthralled with watching him do that because... I mean, one, I wasn't as nearly as good of a dancer, but two, the skill that it took to be really good at that type of dancing was really quite an impressive feat. So, and I love playing basketball with him. I wish we could have played more, but you know, situations are what they are. We only played together on our ninth grade team at Eastmont and then our sophomore team at Jordan. And then basketball was not in either of our futures, unfortunately, but I think James is awesome. Andy Simeona is truly my brother, and I can attest to that moment that he talked about where I was the only white person in the room and felt <laughs> incredibly out of place. It was uh, it really was an experience for me because, you know, we live in a very, very white world in Utah, and until you get outside of your own culture you really don't get an opportunity to experience those things as readily as most people do. And I was so very fortunate not only to be invited and to participate in a lot of the Samoan Polynesian parts of Andy's family, but uh, we did a lot of things with his mom's side because his, his mom is Greek. So we went to the Greek festival downtown and got to know a lot about that side of his culture as well. And, you know, Andy was always very including of me and, and vice versa. I, I think we connected really early on. I remember he moved into a house just, uh, down the street from Park Lane as we were getting into junior high school. And he was out shooting hoops as I walked by his house one day. And I just said, what's up? And we said, what's up? And then the next thing we knew, 
we were playing football together. He was at school. And I was like, hang on, don't you just live like right near, near me? And that was it. I mean, we spent hours and hours and hours. But yeah. Um, I love Andy. He's definitely a part of my family. My parents adopted him as a second son very, very quickly. We just had some really good times together. So I love Andy. And in the same breath, um, Hamza Kudia, it was one of, one of my favorite people as well. He was always so, so genuine and kind to me. And he was so well-mannered. I mean, there was never an instance where he didn't walk into my house where he wasn't so gracious on being there and always a very good conversationalist with my parents, which my parents think the world of Hamza to the point where, um, when I left on my mission, Hamza actually came over and visited my house when I wasn't there. So it shows, <laughs> shows a lot about how much my parents loved him. And, um, I have to admit that Hamza did make a request when I went on my mission to Scotland that I'd send him back a, a Man United jersey. At the time, I wasn't big into soccer, but if I had thought or known anything about that, I never would have done that, Hamza, just so you know, because uh, Liverpool's the, the, the right team. Um. <laughs> I loved I loved Hamza's episode. I thought he was so genuine and open. It, it was great yeah. to talk to him. And on the, same, on the same note, too, on the instances when I did visit his home, again, I was the only white person there 99 times out of 10, out of 100. And his parents were always so kind to me and so genuine. And I have never eaten spicier food in my life than the food <laughs> that was presented at the table when they offered. And I loved getting to know his family. His older brother, he was always so fun to talk to. Very, very statistically minded, but a huge sports fan. And so talking basketball, talking football, talking anything that it was a lot of fun. And, um, but beyond that, he and his family taught me a great deal about respecting the beliefs of other people. And because of how he carried himself, I'll, I'll never forget him. Um, when we played on the basketball team together in ninth grade, uh, he would do his morning prayers middle of practice. He would go over and, and he would position himself where he needed to be in order to have a moment of prayer. And that was amazing. I mean, as a ninth grader, how many of us are thinking about praying? I mean, we're at 6 a.m. practice, and he had it in his time schedule. He had discussed it with the coach, went and did his thing, and I had a great deal of respect for him for that. And as a result, uh, I've had interactions with many of people who are of the same beliefs as him that has helped me to be more sensitive to their beliefs and their needs. Um, I have a couple of clients that I've dealt with over the last year that are currently in the midst of celebrating Ramadan and, you know, the, the treats that they have after the sun goes down, man, and it's a party at those houses, but it's a, it's a, it's a party to celebrate that they are doing something that's really, really good for them. And so I'm really grateful that Hamza was so kind. And also, uh, we had a lot of good times. Um, I don't know why, but I always seem to be the guy that had um, a key to the church to play basketball. <laughs> so we played pickup ball sometimes till midnight, uh, weekends, weekdays. It didn't matter. And thankfully, I had a reputation among 
the leaders of my stake that if Zach Hewlett was there, or he'll make sure that the church is locked and taken care of. So, on the same note, too, uh, Ryan Borgmeyer, just a true fan, such an awesome guy. Um, I did send in a voice memo in response to the uh, yeah. his apology that he issued. He didn't need to apologize. The person who needs to apologize is Coach Mishmash. That guy was just the wretched scum of 12th grade. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had serious beef with him. That guy, for whatever reason, he just thought that he could beat the lazy kid out of me, and he couldn't. I mean, as hard as he tried, he couldn't. But uh, I really appreciate Ryan for saying that, and uh, had a great deal of respect for him. We we hung out a lot um, in elementary school with, uh, if you guys remember, Nick DeKramer. He was in our, our neighborhood, and uh, we used to play basketball and just do all those things that we enjoy doing together. And so, huge shout-out to Ryan. Love that guy. Zach Smith's episode. Can I interject laugh. real quick? Sorry. I, I yeah, know go you, ahead. You've got so, all these sure. things. One of these things that I'm, I'm hearing that I, I love is you're talking about a lot of different people who are different than you. Like people that either had different color yeah. skin or different religious beliefs or were not part of your your societal norm, which I love. And I, I love that you are able to extrapolate all the good things that you have learned from these people and the respect that you have for them rather than, oh, you're not the same. And my kids can't play with you. You know, and I think yeah. that I, as you're talking about like being the only white person with Andy and talking about um, being the only white person, like going over to Hamza's house. I, I love those kinds of experiences and I wish that myself and I wish everybody could have more experiences like that so that it wasn't different or weird. You know, I, I wish that people could ex- like realize like, oh, they're just people too. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was really eye-opening to to have Elena share her experience of getting pulled over. And right. I called my husband and he's like, no, oh, you're fine. And it's like as a, as a white person, it's like, I'm so annoyed at this cop right now. I'm going to tell him how annoyed I am. But it's like, that is not her reality. And a lot of people, that's not their reality. Like they are taught, like you put your hands on the steering wheel, you'd be very respectful. You just take whatever so you don't get shot and killed or whatever. Like they yeah. believe these kinds of things will happen. And um, I think it would just, I don't know. I love that you're, it, you have lots of relationships and stories and experiences with these people that were different than you. You didn't just hang out with other just, you know, all these white kids. Not that you yeah. also did. Not that those were right. wrong. No, no, I just love that it was just <laughs> different. That's what I'm gathering from all these experiences. You're, you're finding experiences you had in with individuals. And I, I really love that. And I hope that our kids, as we all you know get older, like they can experience things with people that are different than them. And that it won't be yep. weird to be doing things with people that are different than you. That is 100% accurate. And, and again, like you said, it, it comes down to experiences and being open to those experiences. Because, you know, for me, as a, I would call myself maybe a little naive initially, but as I walked into those situations, it allowed me to really come to terms with the fact that I'm not the only person that has this set parameter that is who I am. And as a result, it helped me become more well-rounded in a way that maybe not many people get to experience. 
And um, for that, I'm really, really grateful. So um, huge shout out real quick to Zach Smith. And he and Austin Robinson were really good friends. And Austin and I always used to enjoy listening to Zach's takes on jazz basketball. So uh, my last one is Bryson Shreve. Now, I didn't hang out with Bryson a lot. And for whatever reason, Bryson and I just did not mesh very well. But uh, it's probably I have Bryson's a quick fault. beef. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, well, it was. Here, here's my beef with Bryson. Is man, he was just so talented with regards to the camera and video editing and all those things. And I will never forget. I don't know what class it was in, but we had a group project, and we thought it was really fun to to do some video recording. But then we, to be quirky or whatever, decided to intercede a few portions of whatever our uh, whatever our project was with some scenes from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. However, being less tech techno savvy at that point in time, I just straight up recorded the the movie with my camera. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so you know, we we did our scene, then we did a scene from Monty Python. That we, you know, we went back and forth, and I'll never forget Bryson Shreve in the manner that he has always carried himself: the about face, turn, point the finger right at your face, and say, "You totally did that wrong," and then just laugh straight in my face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. That's like burned into my brain. <laughs> that, uh, Bryson set a huge standard on that day in specific to say, you got to get better at te- technology, Zach, or forever Bryson will haunt you. That's so funny. <laughs> but I love Bryson. You know, he's, he's one that always speaks what's on his mind. He does not put frosting on the cake, if, if you understand that term. Right. You know, it's just... He, he tells you how it is and what he thinks. And that forthrightness is definitely something that he clearly still has to this day as I listen to his his episode as well as the April Fool's one. That was pretty fun. That was fun. That was funny. <clears throat> so, Zach, I'm, I'm wondering, one of the first things that you said is like, oh, after listening to all these episodes, I wish I would have said something. I, I have stuff that I wish I would have talked about. What are what are those things? What what did you wish you would have said when when we had your original episode? Yeah, I've thought about that a lot, and um, you know the the biggest thing that I dealt with wasn't necessarily in high school. It was after high school. For whatever reason, I've had a really hard time holding down a solid career job, and I've I've gone through three different instances now in my career where I've been fired from a job for any number of various reasons, whether it, it was, uh, um, being, being a good follow up individual. Uh, so <laughs> if you don't know, I worked in sports and athletics for about seven years doing ticket sales and development on the college level. And, uh, there was an instance at Utah State where our contract was ending. There was no way that our contract was going to get renewed. And so the, the natural servant mentality person that I am said, 
I don't want the people that have come to rely on me being at this telephone or being at this email address to call me after that time frame and I'm not there, nor am I going to be able to get back to them. So I sent an email and said, I just want to let you know I enjoyed my time here. This is what the situation is. If you need anything, reach out to the ticket office. <laughs> the at the athletic administration took that as if I was trying to make them look bad. And so they got after my boss and then my boss got after me and then I lost my job. And the same thing happened eight months later at Oregon State. And we moved to Corvallis and lived there for a couple of years, but you know, eight, nine months into it, I was accused of attempted fraud, which in a job where I was in charge of monitoring my own commissions felt like a, a weird stab in the back. And then I got another job later that uh, I just didn't mesh well with my boss. And he let me go because he didn't like me. And for whatever reason, I I've, I fell into a, a level of depression. I did mention that in my first conversation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I did mention that depression is real. And um, I dealt with it for a long time. And I still have those demons that linger um, from time to time. But in recent recent uh, months and within the last year or two, I've come to rely more on myself being a, a an independent contractor of sorts as a real estate agent, also working with my wife's business. And um, for me, it's been very satisfying to now be in a place where I run the show and I'm dependent on myself. It's been incredibly humbling, but I look back on those times now. And I was recently reminded in a a meeting with a friend, she, she mentioned to me that those things are things that will always be there. Those experiences will always be there. You, they will not, they will never, never go away. And the way that you can overcome them as being demons is that spin them around as stepping stones in your progressive path to get you where you are now. So for anyone that's going through that level of crap in their life, um, where you just can't handle being told what to do, or you just haven't found your place yet, or it's not you, it's just not the right situation. So don't be so hard on yourself because I know I was, and it put me in a place where if I could go back and do it again, I'd do it much differently. So that was one of my big demons after, um, after high school. Beyond that, you know, I dealt with the typical stuff. And one thing that has become much more prevalent in my life in recent months is helping people realize as I grew up in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that there is a intense culture within the church that has serious toxicity that causes people to come in and out of the church. And, you know, I'm going through something similar to that right now. Not that I will say that I don't have a a testimony that Christ is my savior and that uh, um, I believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ was restored to the earth, but it's my willingness to 
be more involved in the church than I have been in a long time. And I've really had to step back and realize that the church is a great vehicle, but at the same time, the most important person in this world to me is, is me and taking care of my needs first and foremost. And sometimes I let the church supersede my own needs to a fault. And, um, so right now, you know, I had a great conversation with uh, a young man who's a recent convert to the church within the last four or five years. And he's a bit of an anomaly. He decided to take a little bit longer, but he said, I'm preparing to go to the temple. And I said, good for you. And I reflected on my first experience being in the temple and realized that there's some great things there and great memories there. And I felt the love of my Heavenly Father and my Savior by being being in those moments. But when it comes to you know, going to church regularly, and when I say regularly, I'm saying like on a week-in, week-out basis, and participating in meetings, and participating in um, events, whether it's for your children, or as children going to um, mutual activities, or campouts, or things like that, it didn't feel as special to me. It just became more of a routine. And I think that as some people get into the routine of being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they forget about the true reason why you're there. And what I've discovered is that reason is to connect on a personal level with my Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I've been trying different ways which I can uh, make that a reality without being a regular attender of church meetings or, you know, we have the, I, I don't live more than 10 minutes away from the Denver temple, which is really fortunate because there's currently only two temples in the whole of Colorado. And, um, but for me, it's, it's just one of those things that, you know, like I said, listening to BJ's podcast and thinking about people within the church that are in leadership roles and doing certain things on an outward pers perspective that people respect, love, and have enduring or endearing um, feelings from others that on the backside are doing contrary to what they are portraying in church. And obviously, I can't be the judge of that. That's not my place. But it's, it's uh, one of those things where the church holds you to a level of perfection, that forever will feel unattainable until we meet our Savior at, at the bar. And for me, I want to strive for those things, but I also don't want to be completely put in a place where I feel endlessly guilty for my own imperfections. Because I, I know that that is part of the, the mortal journey that we are on. We're here on this earth to learn and to grow to make mistakes and to grow from those mistakes or to grow from the mistakes of others without making those mistakes ourselves. And I still think that there's a lot of positives to be gained from the church, but there's a few things in my own mind right now that have just caused me to 
question a little bit more than I did when I was younger. And I'm glad I'm doing that. I'm on a spiritual journey and we'll see where that journey takes me. Hopefully that good, good answer for you, Gonzo. Yeah. Thanks. I, it's, uh, I mean, it's really interesting. I don't know. I, I, I know you've, you've listened to all the episodes, so you, you know the transition that, um, that I and Bonnie have, have made the last year. And, um, yeah. there are, I, I truly believe there are valid and good reasons to, to go to church every Sunday. You know, if it makes you feel good, if you, if you feel like that's where you need to be and that's where you can do the most good, then that's where you should be. I also feel like, and Steve and I have talked to this about, uh, have talked a lot about this. I feel like there, everyone should get a little educated, you know, and, you know, myself included. And, you know, there is a lot of things that the, the church has, has hidden from its members. And, the information is out there. And I think like people should know about the church's history really should know about the church's doctrine and and teachings, like all of them, you know? And, um, and then after it, it should know, like it's just the informed consent. You know, once you know those things, I feel like then if you want to, if you feel like, Hey, these covenants that I made, I want to, keep and continue then and because this is where i feel i should be then you're good to do that um but you know i I just feel like we need to get educated on it yeah absolutely i think it has a lot to do with the fact that you know we're taught something from a young age and it just becomes part and parcel to who we are and but truly that's part of our journey is is being on this earth and learning and you know the scriptures themselves tell us to seek knowledge from the best books. And I've heard many of missionaries say that's from multiple books, meaning the Bible and the Book of Mormon. Yeah, that's great. But there's also other pieces of knowledge that have been written by great people throughout the history of this world that are giving us understanding and knowledge of how we can continue to progress and get better. So, the I mean, I loved your deep dive uh, episode where you guys talked about some of the books that the, the brother that you both know very well helped you gain some perspective and gain some further knowledge. And I think that that's great. I, I, I am a huge proponent of, of the Amazon Audible. And um, Love it. I've listened to countless... You can listen to the Jordan High 2004 podcast on Audible. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but yeah, I mean... Listening, listening to books on, on Audible have been really good for me over the last four or five years where I've learned things that, you know, I'm not a big reader as far as like sitting down reading a book. If I really, really want to read the book, I will, but I'm better at listening and um, processing words, listening to them, which I'm so grateful for that piece of technology. So Zach, but, you, you're talking about how you're trying to, it's it, or at least it sounds to me like right now at this point of your life, you're trying to balance. Okay. What is, 
what does my faith mean to me in my life? How do I apply and live my religion, essentially? It's like, has that been, you know, because there is a difference between like, hey, you got to live the religion the way that the church tells you you got to live this religion and this is the right way. But it sounds like you're trying to find your own balance, your own way to live and to do what you believe in. Is that, am I putting words in your mouth or does that sound about right? No, I, I wouldn't say that you're putting words in my mouth. It's it's definitely something that I'm dealing with. Okay, so my question is, has that been, like, how, how is your family, or are they involved in, in this journey that you're going through? Is this, how's this strain, is it a strain, is it a benefit on the, on the relationship with your wife? It, what, do, what do your parents say? Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents don't really know. And honestly, the only person that I've confided in with regards to this is my sister. And, um, you know, she's given me the same answers that I would have expected from anyone who is very uh, actively engaged in the church. Are you saying your prayers? Are you reading the scripture? (laughs) Yeah, those (laughs) or one of the biggest things that that we've dealt with is there was a pretty severe form of of offense that was taken by our family by some people in our in our ward and the worst part about that is that it, it happened during the comeback from the pandemic and my wife immediately felt uncomfortable and no longer wanted to be there and so she said we're we're leaving and I followed her, you know, the worst part was that the leaders of the ward came to our house later on. And instead of acknowledging the fact of something had been said that was incorrect, they sided with the current mandates and laws and things that were in place to keep us safe through the pandemic that the worst part is they didn't acknowledge the fact that they had done anything to offend someone. They just said, this is what we've been told to do. And so take it or leave it basically. And that put us all in a position where I, I tried to be the, you know, the priesthood holder and to continue to be at church by myself. But honestly, it sucked. It just, it, it wasn't the same experience being there by myself. And that led to more in-depth conversations with my wife and also thinking more outside of the traditional box that put us in a position where we said, you know what, let's figure out where we want to be as a family because our family is the most important thing in, in my, in our life or in my life. And, um, and so that's been my wife and I's journey is to connect and I think it's brought a deeper spiritual connection in our marriage than it ever has because it wasn't so much about the keeping up with appearances feeling of church or, you know, keeping up with the, the labels or the stigmatisms that come with being this or doing that that coincides with um, church membership. But at the same time, um, again, I'm not dismissing any of those things. I'm just... I'm learning more and I'm also prioritizing those things all the more. And it's putting me in a position where now more than ever, 
I want to continue to do what's best to make my, my family well. And if this season of life doesn't involve church, then it doesn't involve church. I think those, but, uh, are, those yeah. are big things to, to get to figure out. I, I, I hear so many things and I have like a lot of comments and I think anytime anybody does something very uncomfortable for what they believe is their own betterment, I, I applaud them and I stand for them, even if it goes against what you kind of were raised to do. Like I'm active in the church. I love it. And I know that there's a lot of things in the church history and like I try to educate myself. I feel like that's where I should be. I I love that you brought up, like, I don't want to feel guilty all the time. I don't like that feeling. And, and I don't think we should. Like We shouldn't be in this life feeling bad about things all the time. Um, not to turn this all into like a big religious discussion or anything. But I just, I love that you had an opportunity to take a step back to reflect and like really just do a self-evaluation of what do you really want out of life? What do I want out of life? What's my main priority? It's me. I got to take care of myself. I got to take care of my wife and my, my family, my immediate family. And by, I, I love hearing you say that you've reached like this new deeper connection with each other and, and wherever your journey takes you. I think that's, that's commendable. I don't like feeling guilty. I don't like having things happen where it's just like, I don't know, you, you get to live life and nobody is perfect. And there is like this standard of perfection, but it's, it's almost like in the same breath we're told nobody's perfect, but you better be perfect, you know? And it's just, it's not, it's not ever going to happen. And so I, I don't know. I, I commend you on your journey and I, I hope the best for you that you, I hope you're happier and I hope that you continue to be happier wherever you kind of land or, you know, you know, you're not going to land, but wherever you end up, you know what I mean? So... If you're uncomfortable, that's uh, that's fine. I'll cut it out. But once you spill the tea, tell me what happened. Like, was it a mass thing? Was it a vaccine thing? What, what happened? It, it sounds to me I'm, when you're saying it sounds like, like, I'm I'm assuming there was a politics religion mishmash during sacrament meeting, and your wife was like, "F this thing." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you definitely hit the nail on the head. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'll be forthright with you. It was, it was an interesting situation. It was our, our ward had been split into two different ward or two different groups by our, well, maybe it's three different groups. I can't remember, but per whatever bracket of your last name, alphabet wise, that group would go to church at a certain time, yeah. and then they would. Cl- chapel or whatever so the first time that we went back to church we walk in the door and everybody to the nines is wearing masks we forever have never felt like masks was the answer personally i've been the person that has always said that if i'm going to die from this then i'm going to die from it you know that's kind of been my mentality if i'm gonna get sick i'm gonna get sick but i also believe as continues to roll out from the CDC that if I do get sick from it, I'll have better antibodies than I would from any vaccine or anything like that. So interestingly enough, we, we sit down, participate sacraments passed. And then, uh, uh, the conducting member of the Bishop Briggs stands up 
and says, just as a reminder, if uh, you're not wearing a mask, you're not welcome here. And uh, in so many words, I obviously I'm paraphrasing, but my wife went from a very peaceful feeling, having just taken the sacrament, reflecting on those things, to feeling as if her pew that she was sitting on had been set on fire. And I felt that immediately too. And the reason why we felt that is because we were the only people in the congregation not wearing a mask. And the worst part about it is the, like I said, the the bishop came over to our house later. And instead of saying, I'm so sorry, it was, this is how it is. And if you don't want to come and participate, there's other means of doing so. And, you know, it was the type of thing where I've had many interactions with bishops and never, at least not in my personal experience, has a bishop come and been empathetic and said, hey, I understand what you're going through. Let me help you understand. Let me help or help me understand your perspective. Instead, it was, this is the the current rules of the church or this is the this is where it comes from the book you know for heaven's sakes even my mom says that to her to me so mom if you're listening please stop telling me to follow the church handbook the church handbook is great but the spirit of the law is greater than the letter of the law in my opinion and so for me it just put me in a in a bad bad place where i had to choose church or any time with my wife and my daughter and my daughter is more apropos to spend time with her mom than she is with me on a Sunday. And for good reason. I mean, she has more freedom to do what she wants to on the weekends than she does during the week. And that's fine. But, you know, for me, it's just, it was really hard going back to church and being in a congregation and being continually scrutinized for the fact that I chose to be there but I had no desire to wear a mask, nor did I intend to. And there was a couple of instances where I complied, but at the same time, I didn't feel like I was standing up for what I believed to be true. And as I had been taught all of my life, no matter what other people thought, um, Joseph Smith stood up for what he believed to be true and was almost crucified until he was for his beliefs and not to say that I'm putting myself on the same level as Joseph Smith, but that's the level of my conviction that what I was doing was right for me. And beyond that, I had more and more spiritual experiences and continued to learn what was best for me. And, uh, you know, uniquely enough, there's, there's a, a little blurb and Steve, you probably are, um, more familiar with this because you're in the bishopric in the temple recommend interview where they talk about how to wear a garment and um, a temple garment and the the line says and i'm again paraphrasing but it says each individual should seek out their own personal revelation from their heavenly father with regards to how to wear this garment for themselves and i stood up to the bishop and said, that's the most important thing in that entire statement right there. 
There is, there is no blanket statement of how someone is to live the gospel. It is based upon their own personal revelation and their own personal experience and their own relationship with God. And interestingly enough, the bishop was a little bit taken aback, but he's like, I appreciate the things that you, you've shared. You know, for me, it's been a real good eye opener to things beyond just the show up at church, you know, sing the hymns, take the sacrament, do your, do your duty and interact with the people that are there. Um, I still have great relationships with people that are there. They continue to visit, but my wife hates the fact that she continually comes up in, in uh, the church. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. That she is now lost the faith and that she doesn't want to be a member of the church anymore. I've had to refute that many times because it's not, that's not true. It's just a, a season of life where she'd rather spend time reflecting on her own stuff. And again, she's gone through, through a lot. Her, her father passed away in December from, from cancer and she was really close with her dad. And I don't blame her one bit for wanting to continue to try to connect on a different level with her savior, knowing that her dad is now watching over her as opposed to being here on earth with her. So that's been a big challenge for me because I want to, I want to support her. I want her to know that I love her and will do anything to make sure that she understands that I'm not about to all of a sudden about face and be against her. I am on her team and I will fight any battle with her by my side. And, um, again, it's, it's a journey and, uh, we'll see where it takes us. I'm not guaranteeing one thing or, or the other, but it's definitely something that is very, very prevalent in my mind. And I love having discussions and conversations about it now because it's something I think about very often. Because when I introduce myself and tell them that I served a mission for my church in Scotland for two years, they go, oh, you're a Mormon. I guess you could call me that. But I also am a follower of my Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's the most important thing to me, besides the stigmatism of the fact that I don't drink or I don't smoke or I don't swear. Well, I'll give you a few swear words and then you'll think differently about me really quick. But, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's been a, a great journey and, you know, I, again, I continue to applaud both of you for the things that you're doing in regards to this. And as I mentioned earlier, I, I talked with my missionary trainer who, um, he, he and I are discussing doing something similar with regards to our mission. And, you know, the way that we spun it too was uniquely enough not everyone who served in our mission is still actively engaged in the church, but we still want to reconnect with people and reminisce and think about fun experiences that we had. I mean, high school for us was three years of chaos and a mission for those of us who did missions was two years of chaos or 18 months of chaos where <laughs> you're thrown into completely different game and you got to learn the rules and you got to figure out where you fit within those rules and 
And then you have experiences that shape your life. I mean, that's just really what this big game of life is, is different seasons that bring us different experiences. Well, you can uh, you can count one subscriber. I'll, I'll listen to your mission podcast. <laughs> For sure. I will certainly let you know. <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're planning actually on recording here in the next few days our introductory episodes so as soon as we get excited i'll let you know that's awesome get ready for another season (laughs) (laughs) it'll be a fun fun journey for you i'm sure what's what have you guys thought of uh, podcast names the field is white no we're not goodness (laughs) gracious (laughs) no that's a good one scotland uh 2004 to 2006 We're going to keep it simple. So the acronym for our mission, the Scotland-Edinburgh mission, which doesn't exist anymore. It's now the Scotland-Ireland mission. Um, so when we, when I was there, we we just had Scotland as, as one country as a mission. And now they've combined Scotland and Ireland, or at least the northern part of Ireland as one mission. So it's probably just going to be the SEM podcast. And uh, it'll be fun because uh, my my trainer's name is Jack, so it's Jack and Zach. On <laughs> on spinning spinning the mic and having a conversation. <laughs> Zach Zarco, you know. We're <laughs> gonna delete that from my past, please. <laughs> is your is the your logo gonna be <laughs> is your logo gonna be the two of you guys with your faces painted blue like Braveheart? Because that would be sweet. Oh man. That would be epic. And you've given me some yeah. incredible homework to do on, uh, <laughs> on 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 my Canva. I don't know how I can do that. It's crazy. But that's out. our next photo shoot. We'll make that our photo shoot. Yeah, you've got the stuff. Get, get a sweet coat. <laughs> <laughs> right. I love it. Well, I'm excited. I I can't wait to listen. Yeah, it'll be good. Do you? Yeah. So we're promoting your podcast. Do you have anything else you want to share or anything else you want to talk about? Um, not that I have prepared um, as I run through the Rolodex. I think you mentioned one thing. You said, I want to I want to call out some people that I want to hear from on the podcast. So you talked about I, the people that you, that you the people to. that you listened to that really touched you. But I think yeah. you said, hey, I want to also get the people I want to hear from. So I'm ready for that list. Oh man. I started on that list and then there were so many, I I couldn't keep going, but the most important people that I'd really want to listen to is, is obviously my closer friends. So, you know, Tyson pool is definitely one that I need to reach out to and I'll send this podcast to him. Oh, thank you. Tell him to get going. Um, I know Nick Raymond was supposed to be on the docket at some point. Did we not? Yeah, I need to. I'll reach back out to Nick and get him on the schedule again. I, night of, just yeah, just like up, he got busy. Out. Something, something happened. He got work. It didn't work out. So we need to get him. I'll get, I'll reach out again. Get him on the schedule. Get that guy back on here. My gosh, love Nick Raymond. Another really good group of guys that I ran with in high school was Ryan Darrow, Davis Timpson, Jeff Hoskin. Chris Langston, oh, those guys, man, we had too much fun. We spent most of the time uh, hanging out in Ryan Darrow's basement, playing video games and shuffleboard and 
whatever else we were doing. But I have to, I have to say, for whatever reason, Ryan Darrow, I, I'm going to call him out and get him on the podcast because he needs to. Um, forever, I don't know when it happened, but there's a big screen TV in his parents' basement that had a crack in it, and he blamed me for the crack, saying that I had thrown some sort of a video game remote control at at the uh, the television. Unless I was completely out of my brain, you know, as far as not remembering that night, there's no way that I ever broke his television because that would be a, a seared in memory in my mind. So obviously Ryan, he broke it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he broke it. His mom got really mad. He's still like, ah, oh, it's this, He's it's like, that big lug Zach. <laughs> Which one of my friends yeah, is my exactly. mom? Hey, it was Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've watched him do it, Mom. I, tried I to told him, him, no, no, come on. <laughs> yes, I would love to hear that story. And if there's any of our, our group of friends that uh, hung out with us that were at this said event where I broke the television, I'd like to have them come on and refute Ryan Darrell, please. Um, <laughs> hey, Ryan, if your parents uh, still have that TV in the basement, take a picture. <laughs> The oldest <laughs> flat screen in the world. <laughs> oh man, it was definitely not flat screen. It was one of those uh, one, of, really one, one of those five really feet deep projector yeah. big screen TVs. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Oh, yeah, um, and the other people, you know, that I've thought about: Josh Heaton, Josh Elliott. Where are those guys at? I know for a certainty that I I picked on Josh Heaton a lot in high school. And he could beat the shit out of me by now. I mean, that guy, he's, he's a freaking stud. And, uh, he was the guy that kept my, um, lesser known nickname going, which is Big Country. Um, <laughs> Big Country Bryant Reeves, shout out to that horrible NBA basketball player. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Josh Elliott. And then, um, was also thinking about, my my other group of guys uh, like Josh and Jake Blodgett love to hear from those guys. Uh, I think did, they both live in Arizona now. But did you ever send your episode to uh, to Marie? No, I didn't. I still see her stuff on social media all the time. Cause I think she listens, but yeah, she, 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 I mean, she likes the posts. And stuff. <laughs> yeah, she likes the posts and stuff. Maybe so. light a fire under the <laughs> under there and see if we can't get her. Marie, right. come on, come on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different people from from choir that I would love to hear from. I don't know that I could name them all because it was a huge choir, but, uh, you know, Brianne Fabrizio was one of my favorite people in, in choir. And, you know, we had way too much fun on the top row, just messing around more often than not. So, um, who else? Uh, I was just thinking about, um, you know, you guys have mentioned a few times Danny Stocking. She she ran around with like Maddie Woodman and uh, and Kasia um, Palmer. They were really good friends of ours and part of our group that we ran around with. Um, Danny's Danny's on right for yeah, she'll be on in June. Oh, good, that's awesome. Well, hopefully she'll call out Maddie and Kasia to get on too because they were a lot of fun. I don't think Kasia knew my real name until senior year of high school because there was an instance one time where she called my house because we were in the group project together and she she said 
to, I don't know, the, was, I don't, probably my mom that answered the phone. She goes, is Huey Bear there? <laughs> <laughs> She's oh, Huey Bear. That's, that's a way better name. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, hey, that's your yeah. Apple ID uh, <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. You're right. <laughs> it's it's stuck for way too long. That's so funny. They call me that. That's for sure. Um, you know, Sheen Quant, I'd love to hear from. Uh, Nick Smith. Somebody's got to get Bean Mace on the podcast. Bean and Andy, Matt Martin. Andy tried to do a, a dual episode with Andy Simeone and Bean together, but um, Bean oh. got cold feet the last second. Yeah. Bean did, uh, he made some comments on my personal Instagram when I went down to that BYU football game. <laughs> for the alumni game. He's he's a big Cougar fan. He is. One of the biggest that I know. Uh, he's he's awesome. But, uh, Think I've done. Everyone that's listening, if you want to come on, we'd love to talk to any one of you about all this stuff. Yeah. Somebody's got to find Phil Paloa, too. Please, someone find Phil. Elena. She talks to him all the I time. Know. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, no, I, I know Elena's got connections with Phil. Get him. Get him she knows everybody. Out of the bait. <laughs> get him going. Well, Zach... Thank you so much. No, I I have to continue to thank you, you guys. You guys, you have no idea what this podcast has done. It really has has been such a, an amazing medium for people to come on and feel comfortable speaking. You know, it's not like you're talking to a huge audience. It's just talking to Steve and Gonzo, and they can't bite you through the screen. <laughs> so for those of you who are, are listening and are kind of you know thinking about jumping in on this it's it's really not hard it's just sharing your thoughts and being open to talk so i i just love every time i get a notification every time i see the posts that go on the page that there's a new episode it's the first thing i'm listening to it is beyond therapeutic for me and i just love hearing the stories of where people are and what they're doing in their life it's it's been really really enjoyable well, as long as people keep wanting to be on, we'll keep it going. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And those those that have already been on, you know, this is my second second run. Come on back and hop on the bike. <laughs> yeah. Anyone want to do a part two, come, you can come on too. I love it. I know we, we did uh, do a deep dive, but if you ever need another deep dive conversationalist, you can always reach out to me. Oh, for sure. Okay. Well, well, we'll keep that in mind for sure. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, Thank you right. so much. Thanks, Zach. Good night. Thanks a lot. Good night. We'll talk to you later. Yeah. So, Gonzo. Rapid fire questions for you. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, I love I love that. And right now, first thought, what's one of your top memories you can think of from previous episodes? I mean, I remember like having Duper here, I think was one of my it, it was great. He was, like, so open, shared a ton. Same with, like, how he said, Josue's. I think Josue's maybe was our first really deep episode where, like, someone dug super deep. I think, I mean, I always tell people, like, listen to Bonnie's episode first. It's, like, still yeah. one of my favorites. <laughs> um, listen to Bonnie's Missy's. Yeah, Missy's. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's... Yeah, so the, those are the ones that jump at my head first. How about you? I, the whole time I was like, all I know is 
if I like dropped it with a heart attack, I want Lacey Jackson close by. <laughs> it's like a 50% chance that she'll save my life. <laughs> oh, that's true. Dang. Yeah. Um, no, I, uh, I loved it. What are your thoughts about Zach's episode? I think obviously, so he's, he wanted to share some love, which I really appreciate. But then it feels like I ha- I got, I got the feeling that he's going through like a transition in his life or he's been thinking about himself. He's been doing a lot of introspection and I have the feeling he wanted to talk about that. He wanted to talk about his, I don't, I don't want to say transition, but his discovery. He's like now discovering, okay, how am I going to live my faith? Obviously his, his faith has been very important. But so then he's still like, he's trying to figure out like how he's gonna like adapt his faith to his life. And that's a hard thing to do. And that's a hard, it's a hard thing to go through. So I, I feel, I feel for him. So yeah, yeah, I I don't have, I don't have a ton of thoughts about it. It's, I mean, I'll, I'm, I was happy to listen, you know, and I'm willing to listen to anybody and I want to. I'll talk to anyone about religion and faith. It is interesting. And, you know, there are so many, so many people that faith is so important to them. It it can be such a benefit, such a good thing for your life. So, um, I'm, I'm pulling for him. I, I I want him to be happy. I want him to feel good. So I'm hoping he finds that. I, I think he will. I think the fact that he's willing, like, kind of like I brought up, I think the fact that he's willing to sacrifice certain things to discover himself. I like that you used the word discovery. I think he's he's learning stuff about himself that maybe he's never been, I don't want to say forced, like he hasn't really had to deal with before. Like, hey, my wife's not coming. How do I balance this? What do I need to do? And I, I it'll be really awesome to just stay in touch with him and see what happens on the journey. Um one thought that I had when he was bringing up like that temple recommend question or saying like, it's like all based on like how I feel about it is I, I love article of faith number 11, like claiming the privilege to worship God, however you want. Like that is like my favorite thing. It's like, I can believe one thing and you can believe another thing. And that does not have to affect you or me in any way. Like you've gone through your transition and I've loved our conversations and it doesn't change the way I think about you. Like you're still like my best friend. Right. And it forces me to think, and I've loved your discussions because it's made me think like, well, what do I think about this? How do I feel about this? How do I reconcile my thoughts and my feelings and where I want to be? And to go even bigger, I love how he brought up and I brought up how he, he talked about race and he talked about like Hamza and different religion. And I think a lot of my patients were like, I have a lot of patients. I mean, I see everybody, all types of people. I see, you know, old people, young people, huge, big, fat people, really skinny people, people that have had a history of drug abuse in their mouths or a wreck. I see LGBT people where there's, I mean, I have people that have transitioned that are transgender, like all across. And I love every single one of them. I love my patients. And I, I don't have to be right. I don't have to be anything. All I have to do is just be a fellow human and I can be there for them. And I, I just... I was thinking a lot about that as he was talking about him trying to figure out how to do it. And I think that I'm, I'm proud of him. I'm proud of him for doing something that's probably really hard. Like he, 
you could tell he kind of wanted to talk about, it, but he kind of didn't. I love that yeah. you. I, I love that you dug deeper because as soon as you did, he he's like, "Yeah, I'll tell you." And, <laughs> um, and, and that, I, I'm just and, glad he was willing to share. And I know that was something. There has been in the last couple of years. There's this intersection. There's always been kind of like a an an underlying neutrality, but a, a soft taste of politics and church. But for the most part, I felt like. It was a don't ask, don't tell type thing when it talks about when, when we're talking about political ideologies and church. Mm-hmm. You know, all us growing up in the early 2000s, that's kind of what was going on. But I feel like in the last couple of years, especially with the pandemic, that has been really forefront. And there has been an overlap between like politics and, and religion um, especially since the government essentially essentially shut down churches, you mm-hmm. know, and and then there's these government mandates when it comes to like like masks, like mask wearing, or like now like people's thoughts about the vaccination, which aren't always in line, and there aren't always in line with what like the prophet may be saying, you know, it's like. I have heard of, so I, I know someone that works at the church office building. And I think I told you this, that it's just like, they would call in and say like, Hey, I want my name removed because, you know, uh, President Nelson got his, his vaccine and he should know that's a hoax. <laughs> you know, so it's just like, it, I think it's been a tough thing because politics and religion are both things that, at least in America, people hold really dear and tight in their heart. So there has been that in the last couple of years, like a, a division there. Mm-hmm. And if when those don't agree with each other or the perception of those don't agree with each other, it has been a strain on people too. And, and that's been, it's been interesting. I think you're right. And it's almost like a taboo thing. It's like people joking and say like, those are the things you don't talk about, but really those are the things that make us human. Like those deeper things. Like I love, and you and I talk about this. I love hearing people's opinions, but for some reason, those two like politics and religion, it's like people take offense. Yeah. Quickly. It's like, Oh, so Gonzo, you left the church. Like, Hmm. Do you think I'm a total idiot because I still believe in this church? A little bit. Uh, I plead the fifth. Yeah. (laughs) But it's like, no, we can have a dis- we can have a discussion, and it doesn't have to. I don't have to. I don't. Know, I don't have to be f- offended, and I don't mean that in like a, in a really cool way. Like, hey, you're choosing to be offended, but I mean, I can let you have your opinion, and I can no, have mine, no. and it doesn't have to affect our relationship. And and just like I said to Zach, I honestly believe that, and I've said that many times. I believe there are valid, correct, good reasons to be in the church, but then there's also valid, correct reasons to mm-hmm. not be in it. And, but I, I feel like as a, as a generality, we should at least, you know, be educated on it. And I think that's like, shout out to Josh Gibbons. It's just like, my my job is to be happy in this life and not do things to take away from your happiness. Exactly. Yes. So thanks Josh for that wisdom. Uh, But I, I love it. I love that he reached out. I love that he was open and he shared. I loved, I mean, we're always asking people for their feedback and shout outs. And it's like, he basically just gave us a whole episode of voice memos. If you'd like to be on the podcast, send us an email, jordanhigh2004podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from anybody. 
anybody loosely connected to us. <laughs> or if you want to hear from someone else, send them send them some episodes or tell them to reach out to us. If you really if, if there was an episode that really touched your heart, send it to your mom or uh, your best friend. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you want we'll send it to your mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.